What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Hungry for Success podcast. I'm your host, Michael Phelps, and on this episode of the show, I got to sit down and talk to David, who is one of the founders of the Accountability Life Group, also known as ALG. They have the ALG podcast. They have big calls on Wednesday nights with 50 or so people, uh, and they talk about keeping each other accountable, helping with the mental side of weight loss, and all sorts of really cool stuff. But on this episode, David and I talk specifically about his journey to lose almost 200 pounds and compete in a bodybuilding contest, start coaching, start this accountability life group, and all sorts of awesome stuff. Um, David has some great tips in this interview that you can definitely implement on your journey and help you to move forward. It's really good stuff. So I hope you guys like it. If you do, Share with your family, friends, anybody really for that matter. All that stuff supports the show. That's enough of me. You guys are probably tired of hearing me talk. So here is David. David, how's it going, man? I am phenomenal. How about yourself? <laughs> I'm doing pretty good, but phenomenal seems way better. <laughs> it's something I've worked on. It's uh, when we kind of walk into the, the nitty gritty of my story, I'm super grateful that I, gosh, uh, I've educated myself by using myself as a big old pin cushion on trying different strategies to live the healthiest and happiest life I can. And so that's part of it, actually, the, the words you use. So I'll definitely be going into that. Uh, but yeah, so I'm phenomenal over here. That's awesome, man. And, you know, just that right off the jump is like, I kind of very similar in that I view myself as kind of like a big science experiment, right? When it comes mm -hmm. to my nutrition and my training and even my happiness and, and my mental space and all that kind of stuff is like, I'm just kind of seeing what works. I mean, I, I read and try to educate myself, but then I take those things that I hear and read and I kind of put them to the test on myself to see where I end up. See, that's, that's what's so important though, is like that in and of itself is such a massive step. Because so many people get caught up in the victim mysticism of life that they're out of, they're not in control. It, it's, it, it is what it is, whether it's how they were brought up as in parent by their parents or whether it's their genetics or whatever it may be, the idea that they're not in control of their life and their decision-making that just step into, I don't know what, what I need to do. I got to, I got to be an exper experiment to myself and figure this out, but at least getting to there is such a massive jump. Like it's, it's a great place to be. Yeah. That's a mental space. Like you're saying, that's hard for a lot of people to get to, but that kind of segues me into one of my, the first talking points that I want to talk to you about is, um, you know, the, uh, group that you have ALG and some of the things that you are helping people with. Uh, I'm seeing like the community that you're building, the podcast that you have, uh, along with John, who's also been on the show. Uh, he was one of my earlier guests. So tell me a little bit about that, man, how you got that started and what you guys are doing. Yeah, hundred percent. So accountable life group, ALG for short has been a, a pet project for John and I for the last year. Now we're about to be hitting a year um, at least in the podcast, we're on episode 44. We do a one a week. So mm -hmm. that would make, um, we're what, eight weeks away from being a year in. And really how it came about was obviously um, for my story itself, I've lost almost 200 pounds. And John was in a very similar standpoint. I published my first book two years ago. And with that, I was like, all right, I'm going to start a podcast. I ended up having John on my show early. We had been following each other for a few years on Instagram. Because what's actually funny is John's been in the Instagram weight loss community. I haven't. Like my whole brand had nothing to do with the weight loss community, like on Instagram. And so it was very interesting. It's very different of philosophy and how things were done compared to how I did things on Instagram. Um, but when I had him on a podcast, because I was basically going to do almost what we have within ALG's podcast, which is, all right, I want to speak to everyday average people who had lost and sustained over hundred pounds. That was, that was the foundation of it. And cause I'm fascinated by, I think there's always congruent foundations, 
but it is so, so, so important with how many variables there are to life, how, may, how people think differently, how people act differently, what people enjoy are so different. I don't get, I get so annoyed by this process of, well, you got to be vegan to be healthy. Oh, what? Well, no, it's, it's about, it's about carnivore. It's like all this garbage that it's like, this is the only way to do it. If you don't do it this way, it's just not true. Cause like, there's so many great stories of people with VSG who do it naturally, who do it through surgery, who do it through keto, who do it through vegan, literally opposites. And yet they see the results. And so I got fascinated with that, had John on the show, him and I just vibed and we are in very similar positions where we wanted to create true impact within health and happiness. And so I looked at him and I was like, why create competition when we can create cooperation and partnership? So we decided to, to launch ALG together. Actually, the name was completely John. It was a really good idea. Like I'm, I'm like the tech kind of guy, like logical thinking. So like, or I could put some words together and he came out with accountable life group. And I'm like, I, I go on the internet, look up for, look up branding, nothing. And I'm like, there's nothing on accountable life group, no LLCs, no, no, it sounds so clean, like nothing. And there's nothing out there. And so um, we just ran with it. And so, yeah. So for the first year, we really just started the podcasting community. We started on discord just kind of building a community platform because I think that's one of the foundations, which is so true, at least within my weight loss as well. And I think a lot of people get caught up in is they think number one, they're special and they're not like in the sense that, oh my gosh, I'm 400 pounds. I'm 300 pounds. I'm 500. No one knows what I'm going through. A lot of people do. <laughs> and some people just need that community where it's like that empathy of understanding and that accountability of not only because it, it is fascinating how myself, since I've lost 200 pounds, I tell someone to do the exact same thing a shredded fitness trainer is telling them to do, but they don't do it. What's the difference? Because they relate to me that they don't relate to someone who's significant, who's never been significantly overweight. And so just building that community out has been huge for us. And it's been going really well. I mean, we've got some really cool stories of transformations in the last 10 months of us building that community platform. We just launched our own um, app and website from there. That's been really cool. And so it's, it's been fun. I'm super grateful for it. And finally, we're starting to get into coaching and stuff like that. We wanted to build the community first, um, just kind of have the support system. And we just are now about to launch coaching. And we started our first like accountable journal we launched back in January. And so it's been, it's been fun. Yeah. So before this, I got on your website and I saw like there was all kinds of people posting, uh, you know, their stories and kind of what they were going through even like today and and the struggles they were having and people bouncing back with comments and stuff. And I think what you're saying is absolutely true. And I kind of talked to Gormy, Gormy about something similar is like that trainer that you're talking about. They don't always know the things that you're going with or 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 truth through or dealing with like they're you know they've never been afraid to sit in like a one of those small metal chairs because you know it might break or or something like that <laughs> they don't know where you're at mentally or yep. the struggles that you deal with on a daily basis and that's something that you guys are able to relate to in a different way mm -hmm. and it I, this is fun though because I, I told this to john john does not believe me in my 400 plus pound life i never broke a chair Oh, I hundred percent broke a chair. Uh, the reason being I never, any, any chair that I didn't think would hold me, I wouldn't sit. In. <laughs> I went to like, and they had this like massive recliner and it's like a double wide, like recliner thing. And okay. I literally plopped down in it and I bent the metal like frame of it or something and like, <sighs> it would never shut again. It was like a brand uh... and it was all bent. It was like, yeah, it's just bad look. And, but I'll never forget about that. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's brutal. Like, I mean, oh, the uh, when you go to like outdoor events where they have those little plastic Foley chairs that couldn't even hold a 200 pound person, let alone a 400 pound person. Yeah, I'm like, still not any of those. there's there's no way like I don't even see how it like I'm I'm what 240 now and I'm still sketched out about sitting in those chairs because like it still freaks me out. That I'm going to break one. <laughs> so you just brought up your, your 240 now, how the hell yep. do you lose almost 200 pounds? How's that happen? Yeah. So, so for me, it's been a, it's been a heck of a journey. So I'm, I'm at a point now where I actually did a bulk. I got up to 
So I'll, I'll kind of transition from the beginning of the story. Um, so by the time I was 18, I weighed over 400 pounds. I was pre-diabetic, high blood pressure, just nastiness. And the, the most fascinating part that brings my perspective unique is my dad's a cardiologist. He's a heart doctor. And I was pre-med in college. <laughs> and I had my EMT license. And so literally, when you talk about the philosophies of knowing, I was taking pathology classes. I was doing the things that I knew. I knew what type 2 diabetes brought. It was brought me. It was going to kill me. I knew this high blood pressure was doing. It was going to kill me. But I, I couldn't stop. I just, I was eating garbage and I felt truly trapped. And some of the more in-depth, raw conversations that I have, um, when, I was, when I was 18, I almost ended my life because I was so stressed by this body I had, this prison I had built myself. And I never, I just didn't think it was possible to lose 200 pounds and the family that I came from, your dad's a cardiologist, your mom's a nurse, your uncle is a, is a prestigious lawyer. And I, my grades were plummeting. Everything was falling apart. And I was just like, what's the point? Like, I'm I, not only my bad, like I'm falling apart in school, but I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to be, I'm just stuck in this body. It's, it's over. What's the point? And thank goodness. I never actually went through with anything, but, um, that kind of shows you this, this darkness that I came from. But what's fascinating with that is my story. You, you talk about blessings from an upbringing. I was given the golden spoon. Like my, my dad makes incredible money. So support system financially is there. My parents were incredible support systems. I remember when I was a child, my dad would put me on the counter look at me in the mirror in the, in the shop, like in the, in the bathroom. And you say, Hey, David, look, look at yourself in the mirror and, and tell, tell that man in the mirror, you love him. So like my, I grew up with the support system, all that, but I didn't see it. I was so stressed and, and felt so stuck in my body that I just created a, this prison. And when I was 22, I got into college and basically, I lived this yo-yo, gain 20, lose 20 for a few years. But I, I fluctuated right around 400, 410, 420. And my junior year came about and I made this, I, I was in this transition period because I decided med school wasn't for me. And I got connected with some new friends that were huge into personal growth, development, and business. And so accountability, standards was a part of what they did. And so I was read books and, the, and I will, I will be on a, I will I'll find a way. I know it's going to happen someday. The first book I read was the compound effect by Darren Hardy. And that book just, it's, it's a simple statement, but it's so profound. It's like the, the two main elements are number one, how do you lose 200 pounds? If you lose two pounds a week for a hundred weeks, you lose 200 pounds. And I was like, Okay, that seems doable. <laughs> and so I hyper focused. When I was 4'10, I remember looking at the scales like, okay, next week I'm before awake. Boom, hit it. Next week, sweet, 406. Boom, hit it. And I hyper focused on two pounds a week, two pounds, two pounds, two pounds. Sell it. Boom, boom. And when I hit about 50 pounds down, was the point where I remember just emotionally breaking in my bathroom at, at in my college uh, dorm and looking at myself in the mirror and saying, I'm changing everything, anything I don't like about myself, anything I don't respect about myself, I'm changing. And I just dove huge into neuro-linguistic programming, how the brain works, how to, how to create new habits, how to create new neural pathways in the brain. And like, like learn, I got fascinated by it and I dove heavy into all that kind of stuff. And that was seven years ago. And since then I've, I've lost 200 pounds, competed in a bodybuilding show about a year and a half ago, got down to 10% body fat. And uh, did a bulk went from 210 up to 260. I got I got fluffy in that that bulk, and now we're cutting back down to like 225. So that's kind of like the the weight loss side of things. Um, on the mindset, nutritionally, I did everything. That's what's fun too is I did keto, intermittent fasting, carb cycling, macro counting. I did in the last seven years. I've other than vegan, I've pretty much done them all, and they've all helped me. <laughs> Yeah, I feel the same way. I've uh, pretty much done them all as well. And I, you know, some people say like you, 
have to make it a lifestyle. And I do think, you know, being active and, and caring about what you're doing and being mindful, all those things do have to be a lifestyle. But at the same time, what you're doing um, today doesn't have to be necessarily what you do for the rest of your life. hundred yeah. percent. I am a firm believer in that. You're going to use those things in different periods of your life, depending on where you're at, maybe mentally or, or yeah. what, even what season it is. Like during the summer, I like to go to the lake and drink some beer. So I'm not going to be keto or whatever, you know, like whatever it is for you, you have to, you make that fit. Mm -hmm. And it's in the, you get into that point and it's like, you set standards. Like this is, this is accountability. You set general standards for yourself that I won't let my go, let myself go past blank. But I think it is so important where number one, you always have to be goal oriented. Like what, like what's the goal and why do you want it? Where it's, you sit there and like, for example, six pack abs, genetically i sit very scientifically down the middle of things can anybody get six-pack abs yes anybody can is it genetically feasible and 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 capable for a for a long period of time no oh my gosh what i have to do how restrictive i have to eat to get down to abs is sickening compared to someone else who it's like well they just don't have to eat they just don't eat pizza three times a week they can get abs. And so it, it, you have to be realistic on that standpoint of what your body is genetically capable of, but then being under a standard where it's like, Hey, I like, I'm going to eat some, I think it's health and happiness has such a great balance to it because six pack abs doesn't necessarily mean health, but then flip of the coin. Obesity isn't healthy either. I know this is crazy. We live in a crazy time where it's like, oh my God, fat positivity. It's garbage. Like, it's just not, it's just not true. Like, I, I think health and happiness have a great balance to it. It means you can have some cheesecake on the weekend. It means you can do eat some foods that you would call off plan or naughty or whatever you want to do and still be healthy. But you set a standard for health. I think that is so important. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think there's like this like weird kind of framework where everyone wants you wants to essentially be normal. They don't yep. want to be on a diet. They don't want to have quote unquote cheat meals. They don't want to do whatever like that trigger word is, right? Because it's not normal. Well, if you look at what normal is in our society, normal is being fat and overweight. It's pretty having, brutal. <laughs> yeah, like heart problems and all this kind of stuff. When you know, maybe you need to be on a diet, maybe, yeah. need, or maybe like for me, I'm cutting really hard, trying to get to a certain weight. Maybe I need to have a cheat meal with some cheesecake on the weekends to kind of keep myself sane. Like, mm -hmm. because I have goals and those are the things that I'm going for. It doesn't have to be this like all encompassing, like nothing or like normal. Quote yep. Yeah. Cause I just, the, the, one of the things that gets me is like when people create black and white, everything like in the sense that it's like it's either yes or no wrong or good like the, the, it's just it's garbage where uh, i mean a great example of that's unhealthy or we there's so many for a greatest example right now i'm in the middle of a five-day fast i'm doing a five-day water fast i do them twice a year so for five for the next five days i'm on day two i don't eat any food for five days just i add some salt to my water we gucci why there's some great benefits. It helps with insulin sensitivity. It helps um, with cortisol issues. It helps with, obviously, yeah, you're going to lose some fat in the process, but that's not the point of doing it. There's a lot of better ways and more sustainable ways, but there are benefits to fasting. I treat my body 95% of the time for tasting, for, for fueling it and five to 10% of the time for tasting convenience. I'm not going to not eat cheesecake on occasion, but you get so many people fasting is, is, is bad for you. No, it's not like now, again, if you do it to the nth degree, it can be, but the same thing with every, there isn't a diet program out there that you can't make unhealthy. And most diet programs out there or nutritional plans, whatever you want to use, have foundational great basis to them. Like vegan. I always find it funny where it's like, vegans have some great foundations to them. Well, guess what? Oreos are vegan. So does that mean if you eat 35 Oreos a day and you're considered vegan, are you healthy? No. Like that's where it's like, you got to, you got to understand 
are you primarily eating for taste and convenience or are you primarily eating to fuel your body? I think it's an extremely important thing because food is so readily available today. It's so easy just to eat for taste and convenience that it's like being able to create the program for the outcome you're looking for is just so important. I can confirm that Oreos will in fact make you fat. (laughs) (laughs) I check that out and it's guaranteed. So Reese's was my, my downfall. So like when I was at my 400 pound life, see, I, 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 it's a past. It's not me. Like I, I've truly 400 pound David doesn't friggin' exist. Like I, I speak to him in the third person because it's not even an option anymore. Um, but back in the day, 400 pound David, my go-to was I would drink 15 to 20 diet Cokes a day. I would eat a Costco size 24 pack of Reese's every day. And it was Jets pizza, McDonald's, Taco Bell, all that kind of stuff from there. But the, the, the Reese's and the, the, the pops were like the foundation. And then obviously it depends on where I was at um, for the rest of it. But literally I would take down a 24 pack of Reese's every day. <laughs> I'm really ashamed to say, but diet uh, Mountain Dew is still like my nemesis, man. Like- okay. Yeah, I drink I drink some Diet Mountain Dew every day, probably more than I would like to. But you know, we all have our vices and some. Oh, 100 percent. And again, it doesn't mean you can't have one or two or three. It's just the idea of this the misconception that synthetic sugars do nothing. They definitely do stuff. Like you're tricking the brain into thinking that it's eating sugar. You don't think the brain's gonna release like insulin and do goofy things because you're tricking it to assume it's doing something else. Of course it's going to. So the biggest thing that I say to people is like one of the biggest issues that diet pop has is it makes you feel hungry more often. At least for me, it does. Like I, if I drink three or four diet Cokes, I'm just more hungry. Yeah. So one thing that I am interested in is like you said, you weren't really in the um, weight loss community, like fitness Mm -hmm. on social media while you're going through your journey which I honestly wasn't either. Like I probably have like five or six posts like regarding my weight loss the whole time. So I don't feel like whenever I, someone asks me about my story, it's like I didn't spend as much time thinking about where I was at like mentally and in the improvements I was making because I wasn't writing Instagram captions or putting out content or anything like I do now. And now I find myself really like more in the moment of like, what am I going through? How do I, I express mm-hmm. that? So, you know, did, did you notice some of those mental changes that were happening? Or when you think back, do you see some of those big mental shifts that you made throughout your journey? Oh, hundred percent. So for me, the mental was made was, was what made it sustainable. Cause like, if you don't mentally change, if you don't learn to deal with stressful triggers, if you don't learn to deal with the habits and rituals and the beliefs you're dealing with, you can white knuckle a nutrition plan. That's, that's what most people do is they don't really think of things. They white knuckle. They just like grit their teeth and they go keto for 90 days. They lose 70 pounds and they don't think about anything. And then it's like, oh, I'm done. And then they balloon back up because they don't deal with the root causes of why they stress eat or why they eat the way they do or why do they have such low standards for how they treat their body. They, people don't want to hear that, but that's the truth. It's like smoking cigarettes. You just set a low standard for what you consider health. It's, it's obviously unhealthy, but you do it anyways. It's because you have a low standard of what you consider healthy. And when you learn to actually deal with those, and you learn to actually deal with these limiting beliefs and stuff like that, that's where the sustainability comes from. That's where it really, because so many people, they just, that's that's one thing kind of on a tangent going off of um, when it comes to the Instagram community of weight loss and anything in general, it's so dangerous. I I always kind of convey this to a lot of people because they constantly look at these big Instagram followers and, oh my gosh, I wish I was obese to beast or I'm trying to be this guy. And it's so dangerous because if you're doing your weight loss journey for significance, obviously you're setting yourself up for a standard because nine times out of 10, no one gives a shit. No one cares. Like 
Like you get in this, oh, I'm waiting for blank person to give me gratification for my weight loss. Well, good luck. That means you're giving your whole sense of value, whole sense of purpose into someone else, which is extremely dangerous because nine times out of 10, that's not going to work out. And you're setting this up that if you don't go viral, well, then what's the point? And so, so many people get caught in that roller coaster of significance too. I, I get constantly DM'd of, hey, can you share my, my transformation photo? And I go, I first ask him, why? Why is it important to you? What are you trying to get out of this? And then it's like, well, I'm trying to get more followers. For what reason? And then all of a sudden they're going, well, I want to feel more important. So you don't have enough self-worth of what your own importance is. Your, your importance is based upon how many followers you have. And I have this conversation with you. You're in a dangerous place. Your value is in someone else. And that's a dangerous thing to have. And so um, that was a little tangent, but it's so important, especially with Instagram today, like that, that gets caught up in everything. Um, but yeah, I mean, my mental transformation of, I mean, I got, I mean, I've read a hundred books on just mental change and like what it takes to um, change a belief and change how you see yourself. And uh, that's been the foundation to everything I've done. So can you give me like a couple of examples of like things that you've actually put in place um, to help you change mentally? Like I heard you mention yes. it before there, like limiting beliefs and like believing in yourself and all different kinds of stuff. What are some of those things that you used? Definitely. So my, one of my go-to, one of my favorite mentors is like Tony Robbins. I love what he does because it's very tangible. It's very, it's not so esoteric. You can do things and it makes sense. And so one of the foundations that I learned into, I can kind of share it from both perspectives is, is how you can ruin yourself and how you can just complete the most iconic version of yourself in the same situation. And that is there are, there are three variables that control your emotional state and your emotional state. When you're feeling stressed, when you're feeling down, are you going to eat the grilled chicken salad or do you want to eat the French fries and ice cream? Oh, I want French fries and ice cream. You're not, when you're happy, you don't go, I want French fries and ice cream. It's, it's all you, you, when you are happy and you're feeling good, you're like, I want to treat my body with respect it deserves and eat healthy. But when you feel like crap, what is the first thing you do? You go to crappy foods. And so everyone thinks that your emotions are just random and it's not, it's nothing. It's not, it's not random. And so the, the triad of dealing with your, your emotional state is number one, your physiology, which is how you use your body. And this is why the fat get fatter and the fit get fitter is because the way you use your body creates intense emotional like responses, meaning it's crazy how fit people tend to be happier than fat people. It's not, it's not rocket science here that when you sit here and you drop your head, you drop your shoulders, you breathe shallow, you talk soft and you just kind of feel like blah. But then you sit high, you take a deep belly breath and you go wide and you deep, you just feel better because the endorphins are released in the brain. And so it gets you moving in that direction. That's number one. Number two is focus. This was, this is going back to like 400 pound David when he was in this super depressive state. Why? The, the, your brain is just a big old supercomputer. That's all it is. And whatever you ask of it, it's just going to do. It's not, it's not your friend. It's not your enemy. It's just doing what you ask of it. And so what was 410 pound David constantly asking himself at 18 years old? Why am I not good enough? Why can't I lose weight? Why do I feel, why am I so stuck? Well, guess what? If you ask yourself, why are you such a loser? Your brain's just going to go, well, I mean, for me in fourth grade, I was in slow reading classes. Oh, well, you were in slow reading classes in fourth grade. Wow. Your fourth grade teacher called you lazy because you didn't get your assignments in on time. And your brain's just going to keep answering the questions you ask of it. And so 400 pound me was just asking these very negative questions. And guess what? My brain was giving me very negative responses. And then when I started getting into how can I make today the most effective day possible? What can I be grateful for about this moment? You start asking more empowering, impactful questions. Guess what? Your brain's going to naturally start creating those pathways. That's why I just don't, I'm, there is very, very few occasions where I'm stressed or worried or pissed because I can, I can always ask a better question. Okay. If I, for example, I have a brother who's going through, he's going through a kidney failure. He's in dialysis is not looking good, but it's like, okay, 
what can I control? How can I be grateful about every single day? What can I do to make today the best of my brother? How can I give some great time with my family? What, what can I be great? That's what you do. And that's why I just don't get stressed out because I control the questions I ask myself, which helps me focus my best for my brain to work for me. Finally, language. This is going off of what we were talking about earlier. The words you use matter. The words you use matter. You use negative words. It's going to, you're, every word has a definition. And so it's fascinating how what tends to happen to people is you go and say, every time you have a good situation, you, you just make it sort of good. I'm having an okay day. I'm having, when, when you're having a relatively good day, you say, I'm having a good day. Well, why can't you say, if you're having a good day, a great day? Why can't it be a phenomenal day? If it's being good, why not make it great? You, it's just a word change but it actually makes a difference. Flip of the coin. When you're having a little off day, is it an off day or an awful day? It turns to awful really quick, mm-hmm. even though it's only kind of off. But you say, so if you're using more negative, impactful, powerful words more often, and you're using softer, positive words more often, where is your emotional state going to be? Neutral to negative. But if you turn those negative words into like semi-bad and you turn your positive words into very big, you naturally move this direction. And so that's why I always work with people and talk to them about is like, okay, number one, if you're feeling off physiology, what are you doing with your body? Get into a more powerful state, sit higher, deep belly breaths. That's number one. Number two, if you're feeling stressed out, what questions are you asking yourself? Are you, are you asking yourself of why am I stuck? Why am I broke? Or are you asking myself, how can I make today the best day I can? Those things matter. And then finally, language. Are you asking, are you using words that are very negative and controlling? Are you using words that are positive and and root in, in opportunity? And all that stuff matters. And now that's such a habit thing to me now. It's like, that's the way I live. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And so this is definitely probably a scaled down version of that. But when you're sitting here talking about it, I kind of think about the things that do, that happen to people who are, successful in their fitness journey and you know even though they might not be thinking these things a lot of times what happened is they go to the gym and start working out and getting stronger and get on a treadmill after they make that decision to change and then when doing that that might be one of the first times in their lives that they've focused on themselves and their nutrition and all that kind of stuff so then you got so there's your physiology and your focus and then you know, after they start to see some progress, they're looking in the mirror like, damn, I got some biceps or, mm-hmm. you know, like I've lost 20 pounds. Like, and they, they start having that positive language of I'm successful. And then they start building on that success over and over and over again. And then that's how they're led to lose 200 pounds or hundred pounds or whatever. And hundred percent. And on top of that, you can tell the people that it's going to sustain better with, cause they're, uh, they're looking at that. But then I, I don't know if, if you've ever experienced this. The people that lose 50, 60, 70, 80, 100 pounds are like, yeah, I lost 80 pounds. And they're still so negative towards it all. And I'm like, they're in a dangerous place because if they don't celebrate it, if they don't start getting after it of, of, of like being grateful and happy of what they've accomplished, I'm like, you're in a dangerous place. Because if you're not getting if if you're not getting yourself to celebrate it and feel good about it eventually you're going to slide back because it's like, well, what am I doing this for then, man? Yeah. I've lost 80 pounds, but it's like, nah. and it's like, they're going to nine times out of 10, they quit eventually. And that's why, that's why I was like saying off of you, like they, wow, my shoulders are getting bigger. They're looking for it. That's, that's where it's sometimes that people are doing it without even knowing they're doing it. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of people get discouraged very easily because say they lose 80 pounds. Like they think they're going to lose 80 pounds and look like, a movie star, they're going to lose 80 pounds and find a girlfriend and fall in love and all these kind of things. And it's like, it, it doesn't just happen that way. Mm-hmm. And what I try to tell people, it, which I think is similar to some of the stuff you're talking about here is like, if you just work on yourself, like put your head down, work on yourself and not really care about those external forces. It's almost like better things will start happening to you just by working on yourself being like being a better person being more physically uh in shape and then like getting things in your life in order and then the things around you just start kind of clicking 100 my favorite statement of that is be do have everything is a be do have situation first you have to be the person when you are when you be that person you start doing the actions that person were doing and then eventually you have it which is like first you have to set the standards that i'm going to live a healthier life 
And then, okay, well, what does a healthier life look like? Well, I'm going to control my nutrition. I'm going to work. I'm going to work out for an hour a day. I'm going to do this. Then you start doing those things. And then eventually you will have that result, but there's a lag period on it all. And I literally had this conversation yesterday with a couple of different people. It's a serious question. Would you, if every day your body reset and whatever you ate the day before is the way your actions were the following day, would you do the things you're doing? Meaning if you had one cheeseburger the following day, you were 400 pounds. But then if you had one grilled chicken salad, the following day, you were shredded. Would you do it? Would you like that? And it's, it's a very interesting philosophy where it's like, it, like if instant gratification was actually a thing and how would you, how would you do things? And um, because it, it's a, it's a double-edged sword. It's like, oh my gosh, I just had a cheeseburger. It means I'm going to be fat tomorrow. And you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I want this. But then flip the coin. It's like, ooh, one grilled chicken salad and I'm shredded. Yeah. And it's like, do you want that roller coaster? Or is it nice to have a lag period where it's like, guess what? When you get to that healthy momentum, you can eat a cheeseburger and still look just as good tomorrow than before. And it's like that constant argument. Like, what, 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 honestly, what would you choose? Would you, do you like lag or do you want to know the next day if you ate a grilled chicken salad, you'd be shredded? But then you'd be fat. The following day, if you ate like a pizza, I want the lag. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because things are more like a smooth, uh, you know, a smooth ride, mm -hmm. but it works the opposite side of the coin as well. Being if you're 400 pounds, you got to put in that long lag period. Yeah. 200. <laughs> and so like right now, that's easy for me to say, because I'm where I want to be, you know, like, mm -hmm. um, but me at 350 pounds might have said i want to eat a salad tomorrow and be jacked <laughs> wouldn't that be nice <laughs> yeah so that that question actually might pertain more to where you're at you know at 100 percent. um but you know moving forward so at at 18 you said that you were 400 pounds so mm -hmm. you know you obviously had to make a large mental shift from from that time, you know, you talked about kind of your mental state then, and then your mental state, like to, or I don't want to say mental state, your mindset to yep. get to 200. And then you have an, probably another mindset of I'm doing a bodybuilding show. My weight's going up and down. How is that? Like, what's that progression looked like? And I, I can kind of, I know that's a long one, mm -hmm. but I can kind of tell you mine a little bit. So, you know, yeah, like far away. initially, like I was, I got to do whatever it takes because I got all these health problems. Right. I was like, so no matter if I got to eat, you know, grass outside salad, then that's what I'm going to do. And then it was more so like kind of became a game and something that I enjoyed. And yep. then now it, it's a point, like my mindset is more like, let's push this thing to the wheels fall off and just see how far I can take it, you know, with, and so I'm just, I'm always interested in the progression that people's minds yep. throughout their journey. See, I love that because that, that fits exactly into what I always talk about, which is what I call the sweet spot goal. And this is so important because like so many people get it twisted. What is the sweet spot goal? The sweet spot goal is a goal large enough that excites you, but small enough that you truly believe you can hit. And why is that so important is because like so many people in life, they set these massive audacious goals, but they don't believe it. So they never really try. It's like me with 400 pound, my, my 400 pound self. The idea of losing 200 pounds seems so astronomically impossible that you never really try. You may try for a week or two, but you're never really fully invested because you just don't want to quit. You don't want to fail. Well, it's easy not to quote unquote fail if you never really try. Well, there's a scapegoat. I, well, I was never, I didn't really try. It was just... It wasn't possible. And so that's where the sweet spot goal for me, when I was at my heaviest, when I was my, my senior year of college, I, the, 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 the goal that was large enough that excited me, that was small enough that I truly believed I could hit was two pounds. And I, li I lived on that belief of momentum until I was 50 pounds down. And it wasn't until I was 50 pounds down where I, like, that was like, I'm going to lose 200. And even then, when I, when I made the decision after being 50 pounds down that I was going to lose 200, when I lost the 200, I, was, I still didn't believe at 50 that I was going to do a bodybuilding show. After I lost the 200, I had two excess skin removal surgeries. Then I was like, 
I'm going to do a bodybuilding show. And so that's where it's so important where it doesn't really matter where you start. It doesn't even matter how big your belief is. My belief in what I thought was possible for me was two freaking pounds, 400 plus pounds. Just don't go for a five minute walk. And it was two pounds. That's like, <laughs> nothing. But I'm like, when you, t- when you think of, of what you believe is possible. So 400 pound me saying that I was going to do a bodybuilding show. It wasn't even, it was never even a thought process in my mind because I never thought it would be possible. But when you build momentum, when you build that, like you set the goal, you hit it. You set, it doesn't matter what the goal is. You set the goal, you hit it. You set the goal, you hit it. You build confidence. Confidence makes bigger, audacious goals more believable. And then once you believe it, then you'll take the actions into doing it and then you'll get it. And so that's what's so important when it comes to the goal setting and that momentum of it all is the sweet spot goal can be as simple as when you're 400 plus pounds, 200, losing two pounds is nothing. When you think about it, it doesn't take anything to lose two pounds, but that's what I believed what was possible for me. And then it took five years of four years of consistent work, losing the weight, build momentum, finally having the two X's skin removal surgeries to go like, I'm gonna do a bodybuilding show, but it didn't happen overnight. And it doesn't have to, that's where momentum comes into play. That's where it's just, just setting a goal that you believe in that you can hit and then building up momentum is so important. Absolutely. I mean, whenever, so whenever I set out to, to lose the weight, I, you know, I think my first goal was to lose like, or my large goal was to lose like 50 pounds. And then mm-hmm. it was really just for me and how my mind worked, it was really just making a plan to get there. Yep. And that plan to get there had little stops on the way, like say it was five pounds or then 10 pounds and then 15. So very similar to what you're saying. And, and I think that, I think a lot of people get, they look at the sheer number that they have to lose and they get so overwhelmed because they don't know where to even start. They don't know how to make a plan for that. So do you have any kind of like pointers for those people of like, Hey, I'm in a, you know, I wake up tomorrow on 400 pounds. What do I do? Yep. So I, so like first and foremost, nutrition is everything. Like, my first 100 pounds, my weight loss, I played basketball and did cardio, incline walking on a treadmill. That was it. I didn't do any strength training. I didn't do any bodybuilding, none of that stuff for the first 100 pounds. I think it's personally, I think it's dangerous to put someone who's significantly overweight straight to strength training because nine times out of 10, you're so emotionally weak already that you throw strength training in. I did that when I was like a freshman in college. I went straight into strength training for the first time. And I got so many cramps. I was playing video games and I was getting hand cramps. It was, it was so, and like, I was like, this sucks. I don't want to do this. So I quit. Like I already had, I I was so emotionally weak on what pain was to me at that time that, and it wasn't necessary. You didn't, I didn't have to destroy my body by trying to strength train that early. And so that's what I, I recommend to people just walk cardio, whatever you enjoy to do golfing, but just don't use a golf cart walk the golf line. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be this massive movement for one nutrition is, is the foundation. And I kind of conveyed nutrition like this. Um, there's five hierarchies of importance. Number one, hydration, drink a gallon of water a day. There's two reasons for it. Number one, it's simple. You either do it or you don't. There's it's, it's, it's building that positive habit of drinking a gallon of water a day. It's, there's nothing to it. Like you're not questioning macros. You're like, well, how many carbs are in this? None of that matters. Drink a gallon of water a day, build it a habit, build a lifestyle, build it a standard for yourself. You're going to drink a gallon of water a day. I can go to the science, but it's just important. Number two is calories. You have to know how many calories you're ingesting um, because nothing else matters. It's like when you get into the third step, which is macros that, you can be keto all you want. You can be less than 30 carbs a day all you want. But if you're eating 15,000 calories of bacon and cream cheese, guess what? You're not losing fat. You have to be in a caloric deficit. But the issue I have with the, the calorie zealots out there that all they talk about is calories is it doesn't understand like feeling full. It doesn't, it doesn't get into the fact of like protein is the most important thing that you eat. And that can help with lowering the amount of calories you eat. And so like after that point of macros, then micros, 
I, I tell people get on some kind of multivitamin or make sure you get in your fruits and vegetables. in. I just say, get on a multivitamin it makes life easy. Um, and then finally is timing every eating. If you are drinking a gallon of water a day and you know your calories and you're doing the macros, right. And you're on a multivitamin, you're still struggling. Look at intermittent and extended fasting. Cause it can help with type two diabetes and a bunch of other stuff like that. Um, but for the, for the, for the average person that's at their heaviest, and they're just, it's building momentum. So it's like, start by drinking a gallon of water a day and walking. That's first, that's first and foremost. Once you've built that into a habit and it's like a standard for you, then look at calorie counting. Look at, look at which, what you're eating in a day. And you'll be fascinated just by those two steps alone. It breaks down the mysticism. I think I say this a lot, but it's like, when you understand, oh my gosh, I just ate 6,000 calories. You're like, oh, well, now I know why I'm fat. <laughs> it's like it doesn't become it, it, it takes away the, the this victim mysticism to it all because it's like, oh, well, I can fix that. It's the classic of I feel like I'm eating so healthy and I don't know what's going on. That makes it so hard. But as soon as you realize how many calories you're actually eating in a day, you're like, oh, OK, I can fix it. I, I, I can I can crank that down a little bit. It makes sense. And uh, I think it helps out a lot. It's like those people that say like, uh, I only like I eat 1800 calories a day and I can't figure out why I'm losing weight. And then, you know, there's like half a bottle of ranch gone out of the refrigerator. Yep. They got a pile of ketchup with their fries. <laughs> did you count any of those? No, I didn't. No, exactly. And it's like I, I tell people when I uh, when I work with anyone, it's like weighing out your food. Do you have to weigh out your food forever? No, but you have to realize what you're actually putting in your mouth. What is a portion size? What like in America, everything is extra large, supersized and massive that it is so important to at least for like a 60 day window, a 90 day window, weigh out your food, weigh out what eight ounces of chicken looks out, look like, weigh out what two servings of, of rice looks like. Because again, you're just like, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm eating healthy. I don't know why I'm not losing weight. Well, then all of a sudden you find out you're eating five servings of ranch or five servings of ranch, for example, or whatever it may be. Well, that's a thousand calories right there. <laughs> Measure out your, a serving of peanut butter and be prepared to be surprised. Yeah. And hurt your soul in the process. My <laughs> There's nothing there, but you know, looking at your five, your, your hierarchy of these top five here, yep. um, you know, I like say I am the person who wakes up very overweight in the morning and wants to start something. I like the idea of number one being hydration and just starting with let's add something. Let's not take yep. something away from you right off the bat or force you to do a bunch of things. How about you just like drink this gallon of water and then walk? You no, know, Yeah, let's just drink this gallon of water day one. And I guarantee you, if you're not used to drinking a gallon of water, your stomach's going to feel more full that day. Mm-hmm maybe you eat less. Yep. And then, Hey, let's do that for two or three days. And then let's jump on counting these calories. Cause it's no finish. I was saying, and then just like kind of work down the list and yeah, it's going to get more restrictive over time, but you know, why not start with adding something simple or even mm-hmm. adding some vegetables or something, you know, and then, and then start restricting after you're starting to build these habits. Exactly. Because like for hydration, for example, one of the depths of more of the scientific side of things, um, your body has a really hard time telling the difference between hunger and thirst. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes right now in America, um, in my book, I talk about this. 82% of children live in a chronic state of dehydration. They don't drink enough water. Okay. And top three symptoms Lack of focus, lack of energy, fat retention, the top three symptoms of chronic dehydration. Now, the body doesn't tell it has a hard time telling the difference. And so it's just sitting here throwing a hunger signals to the brain, trying to get you to eat or put something in your mouth to figure out the hydration. So you just drink more and you're naturally going to feel less hungry is because your body's not trying to force you to throw water down your mouth because you're so thirsty all the time. And just that alone is going to help you eat less calories. Just that, just that one change is going to help you eat less calories. Yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I've never, I've never really thought about it that way, but, uh, Mm -hmm. and I had no clue about that, about kids. 
So that, Isn't mean, that fascinating? I just yeah. blows my mind. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a that's a good point. So we talked a lot about goals here, and what are what are some of your goals moving forward? So one of the big ones for me, I, one of them, I actually had this conversation on the the our community call, the ALG community call, week or two ago. Um, I'm really considering doing another bodybuilding show, and, and reason two reasons. Number one, I know I can get leaner and bigger in another one. Um, but the question to me, I had this conversation. Okay. So, I mean, I'm six, one, right now. I, I'll lean out to two Oh five and like be pretty shredded at that point. The question to me is like, I want to win. Like if I'm going to do it, I want to win. The question is, can you do it naturally? Like, can someone actually win? a bodybuilding show or a physique show naturally. And I just, I, we, we had some friction on the community call about it. Cause I, I, from my experience, none of these guys are natural and or very few. <laughs> and, um, and so I want to do one again, but if I'm going to do it, I want to win yeah. and, or at least place. And so I think I'm going to do another one because I'm in the process of just leaning out again as it is. That's a big thing on the standpoint of me because I just want to I want to see what my body's capable of, kind of like you, where it's now it's at a point where I I want to just see what I'm capable of. And so body doing another bodybuilding show is up there. I'm going to stay away from long distance stuff because I have a bad knee. Um, I have like a just a nasty left knee that if I went and did marathons and stuff, it would not be good. And so that's why I've fallen in love with bodybuilding is because it's still soft in the knees and stuff like that. Cause that's the reality of you. You got to live within the reality of your body. If you're a, I think it's so important that standpoint itself is like, if you just, if it hurts to run a lot, don't run a lot, go biking. <laughs> if it hurts to do like this idea of you have to grit things out. No, figure out what's this, what figure out what you enjoy that you can do for 40 years. That's going to be worth it to you. If that's the way you want to live, obviously you and I are a little different where it's like, I want to see what I'm capable of. Um, but yeah, so the biggest thing to me is doing the bodybuilding show. Um, outside of that, I really want to create a impact within health and happiness. That's like the next thing for me uh, with everything we're doing, we're doing with ALG. I want to take some big risks. So like build out an app, build on a platform. I want to help millions. I really do. And not because like, I'm trying to feel significant by it. It's like, I just, I want to tell people like I really do. And so whether I'm in the, I don't want to be the face. That's what's so important too. I don't want to be the the guy who's like, you gotta be, you gotta listen to David Goggins. Like I want to build a platform that can sustain and do it, but I don't have to, I'm not doing it because I want to feel important, but that's really important to me as well as I want to try to help people just live a healthier and happier life. I think right now, Sadly, people are just twisted on what, how to do it. And so you get so many people that think they know what they're talking about that just don't. And so um, that would be the other big thing for me. Yeah. I think all you have to do is just get some of those trend bologna sandwiches, man. And <laughs> just start eating those. Like, yeah, eat. and then you'll be Jack. Trend, trend bologna sandwiches and some, uh, some T TRT that's uh, fast acting and we're good to go. Yeah, and all, all that seems all that's completely normal. You do, and it's it's so funny. Like when it comes to steroids and stuff, I don't care. I like if you, you do you. Um, I just I'm just honestly the biggest thing with me when it comes to steroid use and like testosterone or whatever. I would I know I love bodybuilding so much. I it would become dangerously unhealthy for me. Cause I, I think I'd fall in love so much with just looking just jacked that I would almost take it to the unhealthy realm. <laughs> well, I mean, that's why I, in some ways, dude, I'm right there with you. Like I in yep. bodybuilding, that's kind of what I do, but it, in some ways you, you fall in love with the gains and that's why you get up at whatever, at four o'clock in the morning, go at my garage and lift weights until my arms can't lift anymore. Yep. You no. Know? So like, I can't imagine if you're you're seeing those improvements, you know, in while enhance how you can just want more and more and more and more. Hundred percent. <laughs> and I like, dude, I'm in the same way as you. Like, you know, I loved food and I wanted more and more and more and more of it. And I already went down that slippery slope, so like, oh, I don't really need to go down another one. 
Yep. No, yeah, it's definitely true. Knowing, knowing your your limitations is so important. But I, I do understand what you're talking about wanting to build out uh, ALG and not necessarily be the face. Like, I, dude, I literally, like, I feel awkward filming myself or even taking pictures or like just social media in general. Like I enjoy doing this and having this conversation, you know, with you because, you know, it's one of those things that going through my journey was so eye-opening to me. I want to tell everybody. And I think mm -hmm. a lot of people who have successful weight loss want to tell everybody. Right. Yep. Um, and we just all kind of have to do it in our own way and seeing the things that you guys have been able to do. And, you know, I've heard about your, I think it's like Wednesday night calls, right. Yep. Um, your community calls, like, and you guys seem to be growing that community and sharing each other's stories and, and really spreading the word and, you know, doing it in a way where it's not like I'm an influencer or, you know, in a way that feels dirty, you guys are doing it. Yep. That is good. That's, that's the hardest. That's the, the classic kind of balance we've had to deal with is the trying to, and it's so hard. It really is like trying to keep the ego out of it, trying to keep like be humble to just being outcome focused and just being like, all right, if this is working for him, sweet. That then it's so hard for me though. Cause I'm such like a logical, like, I've dove into so much of just what it takes to, to make these changes that when someone says something that's working from, that's not what I think would work. I'm like, just biting my tongue. I'm like, all right, sweet. If it's working for you, sweet. I love it. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, going off that whole thing of influencers and it's so dangerous. Cause again, it, it goes into what I was just saying earlier, which is like, are you doing this because you actually give a shit? Or are you doing this because you're trying to feel important? And it's a very dangerous game if all you're doing this is for is feel significant. It's it's you're setting yourself up for the opportunity for a rude awakening when all of a sudden your Instagram disappears and your whole value is in. I have 30,000 followers. Look what I'm doing. And it's like you're be careful. Be careful. <laughs> yeah, because it can be gone and like drop like that with no explanation nothing just i've had it happen to a lot of friends i mean gourmet had his yeah you think about gourmet's just gone like gosh that's i couldn't that's a dude who's like literally just out here putting out information yep. you know, like sharing other people's stories and trying to help people and then it just disappears yep that's it's it's dumb but but it's, it's so important that's like if you just gotta be careful with making your value that it's like, obviously it's a tool. I, I, I enjoy using social media as a tool to help people. But if your value and who you are as an individual is based upon how many followers you have, how many likes you get, you're going to live a very stressful life. <laughs> that ain't the way to do it. <laughs> Not the way to do it. All right, man. So before we wrap this thing up, let everybody know where they can find you on social media, ALG, the your your calls, the whole nine yards. Yeah. So my Instagram and all my social medias from TikTok to Instagram to everything is fit, F-I-T underscore D-Rock, D-R-O-C-K. And um, we also have our website, which is accountablelifegroup.com. We have an app, everything to go along with that. We It's, it's free to download, free community. Um, we have a community call every Wednesday at 8.30 p.m. EST. It's free to join. Um, we do a max of 50 people on the calls. And it's just a community call. It's, it's, it's truly just a way to some of the calls are just update calls where it's, hey, give us the 30 second to minute long um, synopsis of how your week went so people know where you're at. So when you're talking, you kind of know where people are at. Or it's like we talk about different things. We talk about nutritional plans. We talk about um, what does a successful life look like to you? Uh, just kind of more thought-provoking conversations that can give more depth to what people don't tend to have in life. It's mostly, mostly people live in this surface swimming world where it's, what up, bro? What are you doing tomorrow night? I'm getting drunk. All right, I'm coming. <laughs> <laughs> having some more depth in, in conversations. What, what are your fears? What are your anxieties? How can we work on this? What are your goals? Um, and so that's what the community call is about. And uh, yeah, we're about to launch coaching here relatively shortly with John and I. And uh, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's everything for me. 
Awesome, man. So one last question before we get off here, I try to ask most people this, but if you could leave the listeners with like just one simple tip that they could implement in their journey to, to help move them along, what would that be? Number one thing I would say would be set the habit of every single morning, starting off before your feet hit the floor of your bed, say 10 things you're grateful for about today, about that morning, 10 things you're grateful for. Awesome. All right, folks, you heard it. Make sure you do that. Put that into practice and check it out. So that is it for the Hungry for Success podcast for this week. We will see you next week with a brand new guest. Bye. Have a good one.